Hey, it's a balmy evening, summer's night, and uh, I'm on location, not too far from Familiar Patch. Uh, I'm on Parsons Green. And I'm the parson. This is, this is my green. But I'm feeling a little bit like a stranger in a foreign land. I've had a quick squeeze around. I think I'm the only one wearing a dog collar here this evening. Feeling a little bit maybe like the exiles did in Babylon. How do we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The culture in which we live today isn't what it used to be. And it isn't what we one day long it will be. But we're here. And now, and we're surrounded by these good people. How do we make the most of the opportunity we have now? It isn't where we long to be. Everything isn't as we hoped it would be. Not everything goes our way. But just as Daniel and his friends in Babylon, so us now. How are we called to build for God? How do we establish his values and his principles? How do we sing his song in a strange land? I want to give some thought to that today. Time for our reading from Jeremiah chapter 29. And if you, just while you're finding that on the phone or uh, grabbing a Bible, do you want to also just set up a tab or stick a finger in the page of Daniel chapter 6? I'm going to read, I'm going to read from Jeremiah 29. Who's, he was prophesying around about the same time as the exiles were in Babylon, well, just before the exile and then during the exile. Uh, and this is a letter that he writes to the exiles in their first few years of captivity in Babylon. And then we'll, we'll be in chapter 6. Um, which is some 60 years later and we'll track Daniel under a new king, Darius, and see what we can learn from that. As we, We're thinking here about building a presence, building God's kingdom in a strange culture, singing the Lord's song in a strange land. So, so listen to what the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah. Here we are, chapter 29 and verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I've carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Build houses, plant gardens, settle down and pray for the city. Yes, pray for Babylon, because if it prospers, you'll prosper. So God sends, even in exile, God sends his people 
to be a blessing to those around. Let's see how that's worked out in, uh, in Daniel's life. Chapter six. And as I say, uh, this is the classic chapter of Daniel being thrown to the, the lions. Daniel and the lions. And it's interesting, isn't it? Well, often, if you sort of picture that, if I sort of say, I'll just ask you, how old's Daniel when he's thrown to the lions? And a lot of the books and so on, sort of children's books, illustrations, he's a sort of fit young man taking on the lions. Um, Actually, because um, Darius is now king, chapter 6, verse 1, and so we just know from all the datings that this is uh, 539 BC, so it's a, it's, a, it's a good 60 years after they've been carried off in exile. So if Daniel was uh, a young man, say 1820, then he's going to be in his 80s now. Um, and he's lived all his adult life in Babylon. He has been building, he's been settling. He's taken, in many ways, he's taken the spirit of that prophecy from Jeremiah to heart. So, so let's, I'm going to read the first five verses um, of Daniel 5, and then we'll kind of just go through the rest of the chapter. I'll, I'll make some comments on it, uh, and then we'll draw some, some lessons, things that we can take, encouragements and exhortations as we seek to, to live as Christians in a foreign culture in strange times. It pleased Darius, this is chapter 6 of Daniel verse 1, it pleased Darius, who was the new king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now, you can read through the rest of the chapter <clears throat> in, in your own time just to take it all in. But basically, they, they devise a plot. They all go to the king and they say, King, look, we, we, everyone agrees. We're all in agreement that there should be an edict that unless people bow down and worship you that, and no other god, then they should be thrown to the lions. And uh, they kind of force the king to, to, to make this edict. Uh, Daniel, he's not having any of it. He goes away and he prays to God. And they kind of snitch on him and someone goes, hey, Daniel's praying to God. And so they go and snitch him on the king, to the king. And they force the king to abide by the edict that they forced him to set up. And uh, Daniel is, uh, is thrown to the lions. So just skip down, if you've got it there, to um, verse 14. The king basically hears that Daniel's been breaking the law, uh, that he must only pray to the king as God. Uh, idolatry. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Think about that for a minute. Times have changed in Babylon. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar? You know, when the three, we had this last week, and the three, they wouldn't bow down to a gold statue. And he's furious with rage and he wants the furnace heated up seven times. He wants to kill him. But when 
Darius hears that Daniel has similarly broken a law, that Daniel similarly, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's not going to worship a false god, i.e. the king himself. He's not going to bow down to him. And we read that Darius is greatly distressed. Interesting. See, see what happens when we, when we kind of invest for God in a, in a kingdom that's alien to us, that doesn't worship God. But he's the king of that kingdom, distressed, not in rage. He's distressed that Daniel's breaking the law and, and, and therefore he's kind of going to have to carry it through. He doesn't want that. He spent all, every effort until sundown, sundown trying to save him. But uh, the men the, verse 15, they went as a group to the king and said, it's a bit like, do you remember the, the kind of the class snitches in school? You know, when you're doing something, they always sort of tell on teacher. You know, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Oh, yeah, thanks. So the king has to give this order and they take Daniel and throw him into the lion's den. Look, look, what, look what the king says, verse 16, second part. May your God, he says to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Now, as we'll see in the rest of the context, I mean, maybe we could read that sarcastically. Maybe, maybe the king said, yeah, right, you're going to the, you know, you've broke the law and you're going, these hungry lions in the den, I'm going to throw you in, you're an eight-year-old guy. <laughs> yeah, let's see if your God rescues you now. I could read it like that. Right, I think it's genuine. I think there's a part of, of Darius, and we'll see in a minute, there's a part of Darius that really wants God to rescue Daniel. I think that's genuine. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So verse 17, 18, they put him into, a, into, into the den. He seals it with his ring. Look at verse 18. The king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. I mean, just, do, do you remember, Eva, and I'm sorry if I'm bringing up painful memories, but do you, do you remember being sort of, uh, you know, relationship ended by boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it was you, you were going out with? You were kind of dumped. You remember, remember how that affected you? I don't know about you, but I, I remember. I, just, I, just, I can remember one, um, girlfriend who, who, who ended a relationship with me and um, I just, I was, I was really gutted and I, I just went off my food. I just, I didn't want to eat for about a week. Couldn't cheer me up, didn't really want to, I was feeling, didn't want to, just moped around because I'd lost someone really precious to me. Look at this. King returns to his palace, spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. He couldn't sleep. That sounds like someone who's lost someone precious. This is the king of the Babylonians. And he's, he's thinking about just one puny little exile who won't worship him. And yet this is how it's impacted him. Look at the influence that Daniel has had on the kingdom and on the king. Now, who gets up at the first light of dawn? I mean, 
not normal people really. I mean, one or two people working hard for organisations that want them their uh, pound of flesh. But usually, I mean, you just wake up and it's rainy, it's cold, you know, for winter months, you, know, oh, you just sort of pull the do over your head and hit the snooze button on the alarm. You, you want to say, oh, no, I want to get up. You, you get up at the first light of dawn if, if you're really hopeful for something, like, like maybe it's a holiday. You know, you've booked an early flight or it's a trip to beat the traffic out of the West Country, wherever it might be. And then, yeah, you get up early, the first light of dawn, because you're looking forward to the day. There's something that's really filling you with hope and anticipation. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king is hopeful. <laughs> He's hopeful. He doesn't want Daniel to have been eaten by the lions. The king got up, look, read it with me. See where, the king got up and dawdled his way to the lion's den. No. He, he ran, he hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. Oh, that's interesting. See what he acknowledges there. He, remember this edict that he's, he's, in his name, the edict is that the only person you can pray to and worship as a God is the king himself. And yet here is the king who's issued that decree saying to Daniel, <laughs> Servant of the living God. He's seen something in Daniel's life, in Daniel's witness, Daniel's trustworthiness, his conduct, his innocence, that compels him to believe in his God, even above his own apparent deity. Has this God of yours, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. I'll come back to that in a minute. The king was, look at that, verse 23, the king was overjoyed. This is, again, just a reminder, the king of the Babylonians. It's, this is a sort of ancestor of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar. And he's overjoyed that Daniel has been rescued. And uh, he's brought out those people who'd uh, condemned him there, thrown in, they faced the fate that Daniel would have had. And uh, look at verse 26. N notice the king, I issue a decree. In verse 7, the kind of satraps and all the other administrators have kind of forced the king to issue a decree. Now this is Darius in newfound freedom and authority. See, see what happens when you honour God and his ways and his people. Then the city prospers. The nation prospers. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Listen to what he says. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Build. Build your homes. Plant your gardens. Pray for the city where you are. It may not be yet heaven on earth, but pray. Because when it prospers, you prosper.
something to notice about Darius and the way in which he's he's noticed Daniel is in the phrase it recurs twice um, verse 16 and also in verse 20 of chapter 6 Darius refers to Daniel in terms of the God that he continually serves Darius notices that Daniel continually serves who he describes as the living God. And you notice too, always with the expectation that this God of Daniel will rescue him. May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you, verse 16. And when he races the next morning to see if Daniel's still alive, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel is a man known to serve the Lord continually. Tells us a lot about Daniel's character, his faithfulness, his persistence. He will sing the Lord's song even though he's in a strange land. And that's what's built his character. And that is what has contributed to his renown. That's why even the king will appoint an 80 year old to head up all these satraps, even to be the head of heads, as it were, the chief administrator of the whole nation. Why will, why will Darius, a Babylonian king, why will he pick someone else, a, a foreigner, a God worshipper, the God worshipper, over this idolatrous nation? It's because of Daniel's continual worship steadfast devotion to God himself. It's built his character. That's why we read early in chapter 6, there in, in verse 4, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, but they couldn't. There was no corruption in him. He was completely trustworthy, worthy of trust, even though he was a foreigner in exile. And yet he's invested in Babylon. He's built something of a reputation for God and his honour. So he was neither corrupt, even though he was surrounded by corruption. These satraps and advisors, they wanted to, when they went to the king with their leader, they said, all the administrators agree, verse seven. Well, that can't be true, because Daniel wouldn't have agreed to worship the God, uh, worship the king as a God. So, so they're lying, that's corruption. They're just trying to bring him down. And yet, even though he's amid corruption, Daniel himself won't be corrupt, steadfast, pure, true and not negligent. Think about that for a minute. I mean, like, you know, you're in Babylon, it's just, it's not home, we're not here forever, let's just trash the place. You know, it, it oh, don't bother, slapdash, that'll do. No, no, even though he, he, Daniel longs for Jerusalem, Daniel longs to be out of exile and, and home where he and the people of God belong. And even though he's out of kilter, and out of place, and this is hopefully, if the prophecies are true, only short term, Yet he's not going to be negligent. He'll be diligent in all his affairs, so much so that he's noticed and he's promoted to, to chief of staff, if you like. And even that, when he's known to worship the God of gods, Yahweh, not the idols in Babylon. So Daniel's character has enabled him to become established and trusted in Babylon. 
so that he can build for God. We, we've seen that before with Nebuchadnezzar. His heart was turned. And we've seen it here with Darius and this uh, amazing hymn of praise to the God of Daniel. Daniel's character. Secondly, though, his attitude. His attitude. I, I touched on this earlier. I said I'd come back to it. Verses 21-22. This is uh, the, the morning after the night before. Daniel's been chucked in the lion's den. Darius can't sleep. He's desperately hoping. He, he, he wants this God to rescue Daniel. Desperately hoping he'll go down and find him alive. Can't believe it. Possibly true. In a den of hungry lions. And uh, when he calls out, to Daniel, has this God saved you? Verse 21, Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Let's think about that for a moment. What kind of heart, what kind of attitude is able to say to the king who threw an innocent man into the lion's den, they couldn't find any corruption. He hadn't done anything against the king. There's, there's no kind of charge other than he just wouldn't worship him as God. Well, he's already acknowledged there's a living God that isn't him. And yet he's thrown him in the den. What kind of heart, what kind of attitude can greet the king the next morning with, may you live forever? There's no hint or overtone in, in that greeting of a kind of resentment. Yeah, right, mate, you should have been here with me. I'm sort of nursing that grudge all through the night. Lions aren't eating me, I really hope they eat him. You and all your satraps and advisors, down with the whole kingdom, a plague on all your houses. There's, not, there's none of that in Daniel. O king, live forever. And then look what he says. These lions, uh, mouths have been shut by an angel, they've not hurt me because, end of verse 22, because I was found innocent in God's sight. And nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. Note the order. First of all, it's me and God, living his life to an audience of one. What he thinks of me first and foremost is what counts. Before kings and peers and all around. That's the attitude that has fueled the character that gives way to and uh, life to trust in Daniel and those all around him. He's not sought to garner public opinion and, and bolster his own position and status in order to leverage something from the king or maybe even vain attempt to leverage something from God himself. No, this is how I stand before God and actually how I stand before you. And his heart is clean and pure. He, he bears no resentment to the king, even though he was falsely charged and effectively sentenced to death for no reason. That's the challenge for us. As we seek to, to live in a foreign land, as we seek to live, sing the Lord's song, to build, to, to, to want and pray for the city to prosper so that we might prosper. Just as we think about applying this, Daniel, 60 years in Babylon, and now here's a king, Darius, that desperately wants Daniel's 
He, he's appointed him high up, he's promoted him. Uh, and, and when the guys are trying to sort of levy this charge against him, Darius doesn't want that. He, he wants people like Daniel around him. He, he recognizes his kingdom is gonna prosper and flourish if men of integrity, men and women of integrity, uh, of character, of trustworthiness are sowing their seed uh, and, and being salt and light in this city, in this environment, in this culture. I think that's true today. I think there are Darius's around, and, and although they appear to be the king of Babylon, and they're surrounded by their satraps and advisors and bolstered by opinion and culture, they want Daniels. They need Daniels. They need you and me. Yeah, there's a lot of studies recently. Uh, Joe, my wife, is, works for well, she worked for One Plus One, and then and then Mum Plus Mum, and then for um, uh, she currently works for Kids Matter. And a lot of the research that they're doing around parenting children centres on attachment theory. This idea that we we're, we're made to connect. We want connection. Even children, when they sort of kick off and they're, you know, sometimes uh, what appears to be, you know, misbehaviour, deep, deep, deep down, actually they're, they're longing to find a way to connect with the parent uh, and with those around them. And it, it's true of all of us. Attachment theory, we, we long to make connections. And and in, as I was talking about last week, it, you know, in a culture that that worships idols and therefore whose deep, deep desire for connection with God and connection with others is, is never fully satisfied. Idols just like, like junk food, they just leave you hungry for more. And in a hungry culture and a hungry society, there are Darius's all around and his satraps and advisors who are longing for Daniels. We have a part to play in this culture now in our world today, and especially in our world today, that's been so disrupted, that, that's been so sort of unnerved by the change to our patterns, to what we counted as normal, as we're, we're reaching for what people are calling the, the new normal and wondering what the future will hold. There are people around, including a number of you watching this, you, your, your jobs are in jeopardy, you, you may even have lost your work, and you're you're concerned about the future, the immediate future. How will I provide for my wife or my husband or my family? And we need trustworthy people who are not negligent. We need to be those people in order to bring elements of God's peace, security, yeah, rescue into our world. It's true on an individual basis. I wanna, I wanna introduce you to, to Jack and Rory. Um, uh, I bumped into them on the green when I did my sort of opening piece. That was something like my third or maybe even fourth take. Because um, look what happened on one of the previous takes. We live now in a culture that isn't what it used to be. Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You are just going to feature. You're a priest. On, I am. I, that's it, I am. 
Yeah, come on in. You're Reverend Reverend or a priest? I'm, uh, oh, that's a good question. I'm basically just a child of God. A child of God. A child of God, like you, he loves you. I'm a Roman Catholic. Are you? Yeah, yeah, Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic. Very important. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you filming? So this is my sermon for Sunday. No way. Yeah, yeah so you're now featuring it. Are you, no are you way. cool with that? Yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, so, where's, where's the sermon? The, well, the sermon is currently being fabricated here, and then I'm going to sort of get a, a friend of mine to edit it, and it will, we'll, we'll show it, uh, all the people who used to meet there, but now meet online. Is that, is that your... Is that's, your... That's, my, that's my gig there. Oh, Lovely. sweet. Awesome. Yeah. What's your name? I'm Tim. What's your name? Reverend Tim. Reverend Tim. Reverend Tim. You, you Jack. Can, that's Jack. very formal. Jack. Jack. Yeah, Reverend Jack and... Rory. Rory. Oh, it's me. Uh, and you. And you. Well, good. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, you know, absolutely. Reverend Tim out here doing a good time. <laughs> Love it. Enjoying, you know, representing Parsons Green. It's beautiful. <laughs> we, we had a, a brief chat. I didn't make m- much of that opportunity. But I tell you, but here's, here's my reflection on that is I was just on the green, kind of minding my own business, doing my own little bit of filming. I was literally, it was just, I was only looking to do a two minute piece. And yet in that time, I, I didn't go to them. They, they, they kind of came to me, intrigued. And when they saw I had a dog collar on and they made that kind of association and run away, no, they, they engaged. Uh, uh, yeah, I was in the middle of Babylon, but Babylon wants Daniels. Babylon wants to connect and attach. You know, we are more attractive in, in, a, in a spiritual sense, more authentic in the way in which we live our lives than I bet you imagine you are. You, you can be, as the song says, you can dare to be a Daniel. It won't just be lion's mouths that you'll shut. It's, it's people's inquiry, hunger, that you'll open up and inspire. And, and not just on an individual level, uh, on a community level as well, as the church corporate collectively, with the association with the building on Parsons Green, we've had an amazing impact in the last three months. Ironically, we've been shut. No one's been able to meet in the church building as church, worshipping there. And yet we've been able to connect with the local community healthcare trust. And they've used our building as a kind of packing depot for the PPE packs. Um, I'd love you just to watch this little film that they made. They were so thrilled to partner with us. They've been so thrilled to to engage with us as a church, and obviously because I've been here w- with me, that uh, they made us this little film. So um, have a look at this. Guys, I just wanted to take this opportunity to show you how the building, particularly the refurbished building, has been used during COVID time. Uh, we, we were shut down, as you know, from, um, from meeting as a church here. But within a few days, the local community healthcare trusts that are based in in Parsons Green, literally just across the way, next door to Lady Margaret School, they came over with slightly panicked looks in their faces. So we've run out of space to create uh, packs full of PPE, the personal protective equipment. And uh, we need space to, to create them and then to store them. Is there any way in which we could use your church building? And we said, yes, of course. I got permission from the bishop and uh, obviously with the government guidelines as well. And so it was uh, fives and tens. And then uh, actually at, at the heat of the, of the operation, maybe as many as 50 or 60 people a day, all from the local community, quite a few from the rowing clubs. I know you, you're aware of that, which, which led to quite a bit of testosterone in the air and healthy competition as they tried to beat their record for how many packs they'd make each day. 
that their target was 5,000 packs, which would service uh, 500 nurses or frontline community care workers with PPE, if they saw sort of say 10 patients a day. So 500 a day just from the operation here. What I didn't realize about the local trust is I, I thought it was just in sort of Hammersmith and Fulham, but it actually stretches across 13 London boroughs and goes as far uh, uh, what's it, west as Harpenden. Um, so it's an extraordinary area that that trust has grown and basically we have been their HQ during Covid times. It's been thrilling to meet some of the locals, to, to chat to them, to hear their story, to talk to them a little bit about, about Christian faith. There's a couple of them who've been on Alpha this term uh, and that amidst comments about the posh loos and one's even got a shower, I overheard a conversation. So well done for supporting the refurbishment of the church living space and I thought you'd be really delighted to see what's been going on and how we've been playing our part in the local community here. Isn't that amazing? Uh, there's been over 200 volunteers who've come through the doors and helped out. Most of them live locally. Uh, most of them have never been in the church before. And, and because of the church building uh, and just the, the sort of beauty in, uh, of the aesthetic and the surround, I've been able to have you know, really great conversations because they've been warm, they've reached out. Babylon wants Daniels. They want to connect. They want to attach. And whether that's on an individual level, it's the conversations I've had with uh, the volunteers here, uh, invitations to Alpha, two of them, uh, well, one, one of them has been on Alpha, one signed up and didn't, didn't, in the end, hasn't been able to come, but I, that's meant I've had ongoing conversations with, with him. Uh, another, they had a picnic out on the green, and they just popped up and said, Tim, do you want to come and join us? Uh, and so I, I joined in on their picnic, helped out with lunch that day. Uh, loads of seeds been sown. We can build. I'm thinking about when Will and Louis join us here, and Will in particular as our associate vicar, uh, with the connections he has, the expertise that he has in the whole area of, of uh, well-being, mental health, from a Christological point of view. I mean, alongside all the sort of how-to and self-help books, here's someone who will look to root and establish us, or help us to root and establish ourselves in the love of God through Jesus Christ. As we pay attention to our stress levels or to worry and anxiety, it's going to be, that's going to be the pandemic next year. And we're going to have someone at the centre of this church building who can reach out to individuals and to community groups with genuine help genuine encouragement. It's going to be so exciting as we seek to build God's kingdom amid Babylon, as we sing the Lord's song in a strange cultural land. Darius noticed it of Daniel. He said, this God that you continually serve, as you and I continually look to serve the living God, will make a difference in our homes and neighbourhoods, in our networks, in our church community, Parsons Green, Fulham and beyond. Living for Jesus wherever we are. Listen to Paul and I conclude with this. Uh, right at the end of uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. We build in Babylon for the glory of God. Amen. Now I want you to, to pause for a moment. You may want to sort of shift position if you've been sitting. Why, why don't you stand? Uh, or just maybe walk around. You kind of take the Lord for a walk in your room or kitchen or wherever you are now. Or maybe just push back and, and just, I don't know, shift your position, your posture, and, and, and allow this opportunity to engage with God for now. Who is it that God is putting on your heart and your mind? Who, who's hungry for you? There's a Darius and a satrap or two who deep down a longing that you're not destroyed. On the contrary, they want you to flourish because you and I are the people who pray for the city and pray for the well-being of those around us so that they may prosper, it may prosper, and we prosper as a result. Someone in your work context, someone in a community context, Maybe it's an organisation that you're part of. And you can see all the kingdom averse values that swirl around it, the way in which it's ensnared by cultural idolatry of the 21st century Western world. And yet the Lord has called you to build and to sing his song to that person or in that land. And as you commit yourself to be trustworthy, without corruption, and in no way negligent, pray that God uses you to call forth praise, acknowledgement, glory from those around. King of the Babylonians, and yet God is a living God, he says. That's your prayer, your inspiration for the Babylon that God has placed you in. Let's invite God by his spirit to fill you, to inspire you, to commission you, that you be fruitful for his glory. Amen.